Welcome to Hollywood Remixed, a Hollywood Reporter podcast about culture change in entertainment. I'm Rebecca Sun. And I'm Rebecca Ford. Each week, we take a single topic, a type of character or a type of story that has traditionally been underrepresented or misrepresented in Hollywood. So for today's episode, we're going to focus on Hollywood's portrayal of Down syndrome and other cognitive disabilities. Later in the show, we'll talk to the team from A&E's groundbreaking unscripted series, Born This Way, which follows seven adults living with Down syndrome and their families. But first, we're going to explore a little bit about Hollywood's other portrayals of characters with Down syndrome and cognitive disabilities. So I want to start this off on a really happy success story. Mm -hmm. So there's this movie called The Peanut Butter Falcon, which stars Shia LaBeouf, but it also stars an actor named Zach Gottsagen, who has Down syndrome. So he's the lead in this movie. Mm -hmm. It comes out. It's about a man who runs away from a nursing home to go to a wrestling school. And it's sort of a road trip movie with him and Shia together. It won an audience award at South by Southwest. And then it came out in October and became this very successful box office hit. It earned $20 million at the box office and was sort of the top platform release of the year at that time. So it's this like great story and you know a lot of people wrote about this movie, you know, hiring an actor with down syndrome to play the character and the role had actually been written for him to be the lead in the movie. But the producer uh, you know told THR in an interview that it was actually a really huge challenge to find a distributor for the movie. You know, he said that a lot of buyers wondered whether people would be interested in seeing a movie starring a person who actually had Down syndrome. So it was a huge fight to get it made, but it totally paid off. And I think hearing about this kind of success story just makes you believe that people want to see these stories and they want to see, you know, people who look like them, who are like them on screen. And so it made me super optimistic. Yeah, I mean, you know, coupled with, I, I think there's another... Uh, film that is in on the independent film circuit right now, Give Me Liberty, mm-hmm. which stars Lolo Spencer, who has a uh, physical disability. That, you know, this year has been, it's sort of sad. I mean, there's two prominent examples of what it's like not only to have a film featuring a character with a disability, but accurately portrayed by mm-hmm. actors mm-hmm. who live with the same condition. That said, there's still a long way to go. You know, the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative, which has been tracking uh, various representation statistics for years, showed that among the top 100 films of 2018, there were only 1.6% of all speaking characters who had some sort of disability. And remember, the world of disability encompasses physical, cognitive, um, emotional, uh, a wide variety of, of conditions. You know, in real life, the disability community is one of the largest communities in the United States. It's it's unique in that many people become members of the community uh, later in life, not always born this way, but it's oftentimes very tied to age. And so it's very relevant to our experience. When we talk specifically about Down syndrome, it is uh, the most common chromosomal disorder. There's about one out of 700 babies in the U.S. who are born with the condition, and this is according to the CDC, which also estimates that as of the last census about 10 years ago, there are about 250,000 Americans who have Down syndrome. So that's 250,000 Americans who are not 
really seeing themselves represented Mm -hmm. on screens, big or small. And I'm curious as to why you think that's the Hollywood we see today. I mean, I think that one reason is because, particularly when it comes to people with disability, there are so many misperceptions about what they're able to do. Or, you know, put another way, there's a lot of perceptions about what people think they cannot do. And so companies and employers oftentimes are reluctant even to consider hiring a person with a disability for any sort of job when in actuality, when you talk to the experts in this field, some of which include active advocates from the Ruderman Family Foundation or Easter Seals, they'll say that, you know, in order to make a set handicap accessible, you know, it's it's like a fraction of your overall production's budget. Right. You know, you're just building it's like a, few, a day of craft services. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're building a few ramps that you need to build in order to accommodate your dollies. Yeah. Anyway. And so I think that that's a big barrier is is people just don't think that people with disabilities are capable of doing as much as they actually are. Mm-hmm. And I think when we look back at sort of the way Hollywood has portrayed characters with disabilities over the years, I see sort of two major sort of negative Mm -hmm. actions in this department. I think the first is sort of the uh, characters with intellectual disabilities are often the butt of the jokes or, you know, the sort of weirdo other sidekick. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the biggest offender, I think, in recent memory is, is Tropic Thunder. When that film came out, it had this film within a film called Simple Jack that was a was Ben Stiller playing a intellectually disabled farm boy mm-hmm. and you know that, that there's also the repeated use of the word retard in the film which is obviously extremely offensive and hard for me to even say on this podcast mm-hmm. but you know that was a huge problem for the disability community you know there were protests 22 disability groups nationwide protested at the premiere of that film mm-hmm. you know they had seen the film before it came out and spoke out about how they did not think this movie was okay even though it is you know a satire and trying to be that but when the community is saying that it's so problematic you know i think probably the filmmaker should have listened to that Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, uh, it was a satire, but when you are lacking in real, genuine representation, then it doesn't help, right? When when that sort of, you know, the the mainstream studio illustration of, of your lifestyle, I think it should be mentioned, you know, speaking of the satire, that movie within a movie, there's a commentary, there is a famous quote, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, who is this, you know, acclaimed method actor. He's a mm-hmm. white Australian who spends the entire movie in blackface yeah. because he's playing a black character. So again, another commentary on a beloved Hollywood practice. Yes. Um, you know, he says, you know, he says to Ben Stiller's character, you know, actor, he's like, you know, where you went wrong, you know, never go full R word. Right. Obviously, he said the actual word. And that sort of line landed because ironically, Going full R word is something that has, uh, as with Ben Stiller's character, it's been an awards ploy for many a thespian uh, (laughs) in Hollywood. Yeah, I think, you know, when we were sort of preparing for this episode and I looked back at the actors who have played characters with cognitive disabilities, there's quite a a list of big names out there Mm -hmm. who went on to be nominated and or win awards. You know, you look at 
Tom Hanks and Forrest Gump or Sean Penn and I Am Sam or Cuba Gooding Jr. in radio. And these are all three. These are Oscar winners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like that's a lot of of really talented actors taking on these roles. That I don't. I don't know. Do you think that could happen today? You know, it's interesting because as you and I were preparing for this um, episode, we went back and watched the trailer for this 1999 drama called The Other Sister. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> which, for those who don't remember, uh, it's it's a, it stars Juliette Lewis and Giovanni Ribisi, and they play two people with cognitive disabilities. It's never identified specifically what what you know condition they have, but who fall in love. And I remember, you know you know seeing that trailer as a as a teenager and being like okay all right uh okay <laughs> do they have it do i do they because i didn't know those actors yeah. before i was like are they do they actually have those conditions but now watching it it's cringe really cringeworthy yeah. like it's kind of it felt a little bit like watching somebody in yellow face yeah or in blackface yeah. you know um so i don't know if they would do it again with cognitive, it does still happen with physical disabilities. I mean, mm-hmm. Eddie Redmayne mm-hmm. recently, you know, a recent Oscar winner for playing Stephen Hawking uh, in The Theory of Everything. Last year, Brian Cranston played a quadriplegic in The Upside. Um, that is something that the disability community, uh, I should say, reached out to him and, and has said that he's he was receptive to the feedback. But it's the fact is that playing somebody playing a character with a disability is still considered awards bait for actors who don't have disabilities. I will say with the other sister, I went back and looked at the reviews at the time (laughs) to see if anyone was like, this seems a little, you know, inappropriate. (laughs) And the film is not well reviewed. Like they think it's emotionally manipulative, but no one is like, maybe these actors shouldn't be playing these roles. So it is crazy to go back and look at at what things were like. And that was only 1999. Exactly. In our lifetime. And, and, you know, the common, now the common Hollywood rebuttal is like, look, but this is Tom Hanks. I mean, Forrest Gump isn't going to become Forrest Gump without right. a big recognizable Name. actor yeah. like Tom Hanks or like Sean Penn or like Oscar Renner Cuba Gooding Jr. or like Brian Cranston in it. But Again, that brings us to the present where The Peanut Butter Falcon, Give Me Liberty are films that star actors that most people have not heard of, Mm -hmm. uh, but are giving authentic performances that are resonating. Mm -hmm. Totally. So that said, it's not that actors with disabilities don't exist or haven't. There Mm -hmm. are a few examples from the past and then a lot more in the more recent years. Yeah, 30 years ago, ABC had a pretty critically acclaimed drama, Life Goes On, which was about a family who had a child with Down syndrome. Now, that actor, Chris Burke, has Down syndrome in real life, and he received a Golden Globe nomination for his performance. That's huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, later on, we'll hear from our guests who actually referenced that show as Mm -hmm. sort of an inspiring thing she got to watch when she found out her own daughter had Down syndrome. So... And then more recently, I think there's been quite a few good examples of this. There was the actress Lauren Potter on Fox's Glee. There was an actor named Eddie Barbanel who starred with Johnny Knoxville in The Ringer. And then the new show, uh, Stumptown, Kobe Smulders' character's younger brother is played by an, an actor named Cole Sibis, who also has Down syndrome. And so... You know, we're seeing more of these actors get work and be in front of the cameras. And, you know, I think that's what we we all sort of hope for is for this to be normalized by seeing more actors playing these roles. 
Yeah, and when we say positive representations, it doesn't mean that they have to be characters who are heroic or idealized um, in, in some way. It just means that they uh, feel fully realized the way that any other character who's conceived sort of should be. You know, Jamie Brewer, another actress with Down syndrome who's um, been on multiple seasons of American Horror Story. Now, I don't think you would say any character on American Horror Story is sort of an exemplary human being right. or supernatural <laughs> being or whatever, but that's kind of the point. You know, the point is that they can play a range of characters just as the seven adults who are themselves on Born This Way, you know, are sometimes inspirational, sometimes angry, sometimes depressed, sometimes hurt each other. They're just part of the spectrum of human experience. Yeah. And before we get to our guests, I do want to give a shout out to our colleague, Patrick Shanley, who wrote a really great piece about actors with Down syndrome. He wrote this piece right after Peanut Butter Falcon's success, and it's really worth checking out. So I highly recommend it. So we're so excited to welcome a very important trio from A&E's show, Born This Way. So this is a unscripted series which debuted in 2015, which follows seven adults with Down syndrome as they navigate their way through life and family and relationships. It's a really great show that is wrapping up after four seasons. It just released six new digital shorts online and will have a very Born This Way Christmas special coming out December 18th. Today we have Rachel Osterbach, who is one of the seven stars of the show, and her mom, Lori, who has also been a huge part of the show as the two of them have worked together as Rachel finds more independence in her life. And we're also joined by the show's EP, John Murray. Thank you guys so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, John, I wanted to start with you, and you know, you've created a number of really iconic, you know, unscripted franchises, you know, namely like The Real World, Road Rules. What inspired you to create this series? I think it was a feeling that there was a community of people that weren't being seen on television. You know, when we set about doing this show, you just didn't see a lot of people with disabilities on television. You certainly didn't see a show where it focused on their ability and not necessarily their disability. So I think it was, selfishly, as producers, we're always looking for new stories. And uh, this seemed like a really interesting story. And the show's been you know, a big success several seasons now under its belt. But I had read that when you were shopping it around, it wasn't the easiest show to get people on board. Can you tell me a little bit about sort of the reactions you got? Sure. You know, whenever you're doing anything that's not quite like everything else out there, it's more challenging. Um, yeah, but that's usually when you actually have something very special. So I got a lot of no's, but I knew that there was going to be someone who was going to sign on. And ultimately, we ended up with A&E. And we actually did a pilot for sort of a forerunner of this show. And ultimately, they didn't pick that up. And looking back on it, I'm sort of glad they didn't because it was a little contrived. It was a little too much like the real world where it was you know, we were focusing on these young people with Down syndrome, but we had them living in two houses, the girls in one house, the boys in the other. And we didn't have a lot of connection with their parents. And I think, so A&E passed on the show, and then four years later they called me up and said, 
We think we made a mistake. We mm-hmm. think we should do that show. How would you do it today? So I had a wonderful opportunity having had the time to think about it. And what I realized was there was this great story about these amazing young people who had been raised to have independent lives by their parents. It was really the first group of people with Down syndrome that had been sort of mainstreamed and whose parents fought at every step to make sure that they had every opportunity. And now that they were in their mid-20s and ready to take those final steps towards independence, the parents were a little nervous, a little afraid. So there was a wonderful dramatic tension. So we ended up with just this beautiful show that focused on this group of parents and their young adults. Rachel and Lori, tell us about how you got involved with the project. You know, what were your initial thoughts when you heard about it? Did you have any concerns? But what ultimately helped you guys to decide to participate? They found Rachel through her drama class. Yes. She just told me one day she came home, she saw it, and she said, I'd like to try out for that. And I said, well, what is it? And she said, it's kind of like a documentary about Down syndrome. But she wasn't really sure. And We went there, and we were interviewed, and I was skeptical at first. I didn't really know what it was going to be about, but the more and more I heard about it, the more and more Rachel got excited because I felt we were a group of people, people with Down syndrome, that people weren't aware of what we can do, what we can say, how we could work, how we can do everything everybody else does. But no one was aware of that because I think people were afraid to touch on that subject. Mm -hmm. So I was happy that I was able to be part of a special project that would let people know that my daughter and people with Down syndrome could do anything they want to do if they really put their minds to it. And Rachel, for you, you already loved acting, I know, but what did it feel like to have cameras sort of in your life like that? Uh, what I like about having cameras on me, I love having, well, before I was nervous, mm-hmm. but now I just uh, be myself. Yeah, you can tell that from the show, that we're really getting to see everybody's real personalities, which I think makes it such a strong show. Mm-hmm. When you were growing up, you know, I, I'm curious, did you ever see, like, movies or TV shows where they had characters with who had Down syndrome, whether the actors themselves had or not. I'm curious about how you felt about that or what that was like for you. I've never seen TV shows with people with Down syndrome before, actually. Mm-hmm. No. This is the first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I like to see people see that people with Down syndrome can do anything they want to do. It's amazing. I mean, it's true. I think that that's what the show has really proven. You know, it's, it's broken a lot of stereotypes in that way. Laurie, as a mom, what did you would you ever look to find sort of entertainment that would highlight, you know, people with Down syndrome to show her, or was it just sort of that didn't exist? I think it's been wonderful because I feel since our show started four years ago, I've seen so much more Down syndrome in ads, in articles, in on TV, in so you think you can dance. I don't think we've seen that before, and I feel we're seeing it so much more now, and I'm just so happy to see that. I really (laughs) am, because it's really opened up, I think, a whole world for our guys. Well, and they've been such wonderful examples to other people because, you know, if there is a young person with Down syndrome, 
they can look at this show and they see that Rachel holds down a job, mm -hmm. you know, or that Megan is an entrepreneur or that John's following his dreams to be a rapper. So yeah. they're seeing this. So, you know, I think for all of us, we need positive examples to help set our expectations. And when we look at something and, the, and we're just not represented, we're not there, then what? Mm -hmm. Do we not, can we not be a waiter? Can we not be a singer? Can we not? So this show is, is really, um, and through particularly the, the courage of, of, of Rachel and her mom and family and the others of doing this show, they've just opened up a world for a lot of people. It's hard to open up your family right. and your life yeah. to people. You don't know the feedback you're going to get. But I have to say we had a, so much positive feedback. We've been to conventions. Rachel has yeah. spoken to oh. many, many places, speeches, yeah. giving yeah. inspirational speeches. And it has just given especially young moms so much hope mm -hmm. that yeah. they've never had before. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we did that. Yeah, the parent story is definitely, I think, a, it's been an eye-opener and... Um, encouraging like you said for for young families who are just getting into mm -hmm. learning about the community and the world i'm curious during the development phase um maybe john you can speak to this is were there certain groups or you know organizations that you consulted with or you know just in order to make sure that even tonally you know the the portrayals of these these men and women were you know what you wanted them to be that you know just to make sure that it had the balance of being really authentic not inadvertently veering into like exploitative or anything like that and and what the parents concerns were as well yeah, that was very important to us. You know, quite often when a group like this has been marginalized by television, they are rightly very suspicious about how you're going to treat them as a producer. And, you know, in a way, they're sort of the stand-ins for a community. So there's a lot of concern there. So we got involved with an organization in um, the San Fernando Valley in, in in the North Hills called New Horizons. And they're the largest provider of services to adults with intellectual disability. Mm -hmm. And so we spent a lot of time on their campus getting to know them, and then we brought them on board as consultants sort of to help us uh, and to, and to uh, talk with them as we developed the show. And later they looked at episodes and signed off on each episode, gave us any notes or thoughts. So, yeah, we took that very seriously. And, you know, and, and we weren't always perfect. You know, there were times when we, we would do something that would offend someone. And all I would just say is, you know, we're sorry. Please try to understand we have good intentions, but we're learning about this community and we're doing our best. But when you see those shows, we think you'll be happy with them. Mm -hmm. And Rachel and Lori, for you two, was there any part of your life you struggled to share with audiences and with the cameras or that you were nervous about to share with viewers? Not really, because I think I shared a lot with, other, with what other mothers felt. So I think no, because I... I had that community of mothers that we wanted to speak out. We wanted it to be known. And it's been the greatest experience for us because we had John Murray and we had the crew that we had. We had a crew that was so great yeah. that wanted to show only the best from all of us. Mm -hmm. 
And we couldn't have asked for more than that. That's all I can say. It was the best. And it made it a lot easier, a lot easier to not worry because you knew they weren't going to exploit you in any way. Did you struggle with anything in the show, Rachel? At the beginning, I had um, str- I was struggling when when my first game came, and I told my good friends. Ever since the show started, I made a lot of new friends, mm-hmm. and I have I have two closest friends mm-hmm. from the through the show, Christina and Megan. Mm-hmm. They're my closest friends now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's been the response like? You know, w- meeting fans of the show. What are some of the things that they've said to you that you really remember or that, you know, you treasure? What they said to me, I remember that I am such inspiration to them. Like, the reason why I inspire them, because they want hopes and dreams. And they also, um, like, when I fears, I'm sure um, they will have some fears, but hopefully um, they will conquer them. Yeah, nervousness and stuff like yes. that. For sure. And as the as the show went on over the seasons, what did you, John? Maybe uh, were there new stories you wanted to tell, or ways you wanted to grow the show as it became successful after its first season and and kind of went on? Well, we t- really took our lead from the cast. It was what <laughs> yeah. was happening with them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, for instance, Rachel was, you know, she was in the process of of waiting for a HUD voucher, which would Mm -hmm. help support her in moving out on her own. (laughs) So we did um, sort of a trial move where Rachel and Megan moved in together. And, you know, they had some support. But this was sort of, you know, and it was great for Lori. And it worked because Rachel has wanted to live on her own ever since. (laughs) So it worked really well. (laughs) I was going to say that. I finally got my heart voucher, mm-hmm. and I will be living on my own. Amazing. Yes, and my dream is finally coming true, but I will miss, uh, miss um, everything. With my, I will miss my parents, but I think it will be a great experience for me. Yeah. Right, so there were lots of situations like that with Elena. You know, when we first started with her, she had come from a culture where there was a lot of shame associated with disability. And it was just amazing to watch over the course of the episodes and the seasons how she and her family became so much more comfortable with it to the point where Eleanor was speaking, I think, at the United Nations about Down syndrome. And she could hardly say the word in season one. So it was really just so exciting for the crew to just watch as these young people continued their steps towards independence. And, um, you know, I don't know whether it was the process of making a TV show and having to do interviews and having to show up with a call schedule and all that. <laughs> but boy, it was like a hyper chamber in terms of watching them just grow, grow, yes. grow. Yes. I think really having each other yeah. meant a lot. They had friends. You know, Rachel yeah. has had friends in the past, especially in Special Olympics. Yeah. She's yeah. had friends. But other than that, she really didn't have friends. And yeah. now that she's not in Special Olympics anymore, she needed to find friends who were more her age. Yes. And and it was very hard for her. And it I was. think her having friends now, yeah. it's like anybody. You have a friend. I want to talk to my friend. Mm-hmm. I want to tell my friend, I'm doing this today. I'm doing that today. Watching Christina move oh, in yeah. on her own, mm-hmm. yeah. watching her get married, yes. gave Rachel that my dreams could come true. Yes. That's what I want to and now yeah. I know I can do it. Yeah. So I think they help each other so much. 
Yeah, we do have each other, me and Christina. I also made a vow on her wedding, too. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that gives so much hope to people, right? To know that they can fall in love, they can live independently, you know, start families. Um, I get a lot of hope stories from people. Yeah. Yeah, And um, I still say my best story that I ever got was a lady coming over to me and telling me she was seven months pregnant. Hmm. And she said, I've decided to keep my baby because I saw your show. Mm, And I could not stop myself Mm -hmm. from feeling that it was worth everything to do the Mm. show just for that. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's that's really powerful. It is. You know, now, Rachel, I'm curious about what your experiences have been like pursuing an acting career. You know, what would you say to, um, you know, other people with Down syndrome who want to become actors? What should they expect? You know, what is it like? Um, what did they expect is it is hard to go into um, pursuing an acting career. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. I've done it once, and it's really hard. Because sometimes I have trouble going into character. Mm. I have trouble with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think other people should respect that. Mm-hmm. Respect that. That you have to be a different character. It's not you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rachel could just be hers. I think that's why this show is great for her. Yeah, because yeah. yeah your personality is not her thing. And she's yeah. just being Rachel. Yeah. That is not my thing. Yeah. Yeah. The camera loves you for being Rachel. Yeah. 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 That's good yeah. advice. Yeah. I mean, it's good to know yourself. She's just sweet yeah. Rachel. That's all we I know. Yeah. She's my sweet Rachel. Thank you. Though she can throw a few jabs when she's oh, the Toastmaster. Yes. Oh, yes. Particularly when her dad is the oh, subject. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Dad is the subject because dad digs her all the time. <laughs> yeah, my dad used to do Toastmasters, actually. Oh, oh wow. Really. Okay. Yeah. Ever since then, we, we decided to do a gal club mm-hmm. with people with different disabilities and go out and get speeches. Mm-hmm. And I am also a global messenger, too. Mm-hmm. So I go out and get speeches everywhere. What's your what's um, your central topic? What, what, what message do you want to give to people when you do that? What message I want to give to people is never give up on your dreams. Any people with any disability can dream big, and they can fill those dreams. Mm-hmm. And the show is wrapping up with a, a very Born This Way Christmas yes. special, which is coming out yes. on December 18th. Yes, that's So I'm, I'm curious, John, for you, what has this experience sort of taught you or opened your eyes about the way Hollywood can be more inclusive about stories uh, of people with disabilities? Um, well, first of all, I, as Laurie said, pointed out, I think for all of us associated with the crew, with the show, the crew, we learned so much from Rachel and the other cast members. We learned about patience. We learned about honesty. You know, they have an ability to just cut through the BS and tell you what they think. And no filter. No filter. <laughs> and as a TV producer, you know that's a pretty good thing yeah. when you have yeah. someone with no filter. Uh, but, uh, but they are also the kindness yeah. uh, and the compassion mm-hmm. uh, and the way they support each other. Again, it was, mm-hmm. there were a lot of teaching moments for all of us. Yeah. So this was just a wonderful experience for all of us to have. Yeah. What would you say to other, I mean, fellow producers or execs in the industry? You know, sometimes there is, there's a lot of misconceptions or wariness about employing people with disabilities. You know, what have you learned to say, like, this is how it works? Yeah, I mean, I think what the show has shown is that 
people with Down syndrome can hold a number of jobs. They can be great participants in their family and in their community. And I think as an industry, we need to find ways to do that too. And I think actually since Born This Way, you know, we've been around for about five years now. Since we came on the scene, when I look at some of the shows that are out there, like Special on mm-hmm. Netflix, yep. or I look at Atypical, Atypical yeah. uh, when I look at The Good Doctor, when I look at some of the storylines that New Amsterdam yeah. is doing, yep. I mean, it is a, it has changed remarkably. We're not far enough along, but it is, you are seeing people, people with all kinds of disabilities now on television, and you're starting to see them as writers and producers behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. The inclusion is important. Yes, it is. It's important because it helps everybody to live together, accept each other. And I think that this show has done that. And I think inclusion is important because of the fact that if you have an actor who needs somebody with cerebral palsy, why not give a person with cerebral palsy that chance Mm -hmm. first before you have an actor come in and act like someone with cerebral palsy? And I think out there they're starting to realize that they can do that, that they can go out with people with disabilities, and they can do acting, and they can do all the jobs. Rachel's been working in an office for 13 years. Yes, I have, actually. You know, I mean, she's got a full-time job, and they love her. You know, she's reliable, she does her job, and she's Mm -hmm. there every day, and... It's just, we're getting there. We're not there yet, <laughs> but inclusion helps a lot. That is true. I do have a job. It's called Scouts and Market Insurance. Mm-hmm. I'm a mailroom clerk. Mm-hmm. I'm so reliable. Like you said, I'm so reliable. I'm always punctual. I always show up on time. Mm-hmm. What do you like about working there? What I like about working there? You've been I'm, there 13 years. That's, yes. That's, that's longer, longer than, than, I've than been a lot of people. Job. Yeah. <laughs> <Their jobs. laughs> what I like about it is I um, get to um, interact with my coworkers mm-hmm. like, and the paycheck. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, well, that's my favorite part. Getting a, getting a paycheck. Yes. We understand. I, we saw that. Yeah, I, I like that, and that was very relatable. Yes. I remember yeah. when you did that on yeah. the show, yeah. holding up the paycheck. Yeah, it's a great job. But besides having, well, there's two jobs. Not just my job at Scotland American. Also, bonus way was my second job too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. That's why I've been kind of busy lately, because between doing two jobs. Yeah. <laughs> between my office job and bonus way. Very understandable. Yeah. Multitasking. Yep. Well, as as the show wraps up, Rachel, you yep. mentioned you got the HUD voucher. Yes. So tell us about what you're looking forward to in the future. What am I looking forward to the future is meeting somebody in the future. But what I see myself in the future is living independently. And I see myself falling in love one day. Yeah. But um, in the future, oh, it's a tough one, huh? <laughs> I see myself in the future as like being, being more independent, actually, independence. Yeah, having your own place, right? Yes. Yeah, you'll have a new relationship in a way with your mom and dad because oh, yeah. you will be visiting them and just hearing Christina's mom talk about how that relationship has well, grown yeah. because yeah. now it's they're not telling her to clean up her room. <laughs> I know. You know, yeah. they she's a young. Mm-hmm. Adult, and yeah. it's a well, different relationship. Actually, I do take um, classes mm-hmm. with my Cluino uh, Center and Infant Living Staff that comes every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I've improved a lot because I know how to make change my own seats on my bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know how to cook different. I, I, I cook different stuff. I know, um, and I can, also I can clean. 
Mm-hmm. That's still a lot more than a lot of people can do, yeah. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I, do my own laundry. I do my own laundry. Yeah. yeah, you've been doing your own laundry for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And Lori, what about you? With the show ending, what what are your plans? She's for the had future? me pretty busy for the yeah. past five years. I'll tell you. Um, it was actually perfect timing because I was kind of semi-retiring anyway at the time. I was just left. I worked for uh, a lawyer for many, many years, and I was leaving. But I was going to work part-time, and until Rachel, and we've traveled a lot this year, she's made a lot of speeches. So now it's, yeah, it's like, what does mom do now? (laughs) You know, I've been Rachel's mom for 37 years, and I have to now think about Lori, and that's going to be tough. Yeah. That's going to be tough. But exciting. But exciting at the same time. We're starting with my husband and I going to Italy next year. Hey, for yeah. 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 40th anniversary. Oh, yeah. nice. yes. Congrats on that milestone. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So we're thinking of things. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, we always like to wrap up with uh, two questions for our guests. The first question, it's called Hollywood Remixed. And basically, is is there a past example of a movie or a TV show that had that showed a character with a disability that you would redo if you had a chance. It could be like you would improve it or you would just want to see somebody else try it or something like that. I did see a movie with John Dallas and them called Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it would be nice if they changed it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have a girl be in it. Mm. Hey! (laughs) Peanut Butter Falcon Part 2. Maybe. That's a good idea. That's a great idea. I like that a lot. Have a girl come along in a movie. Like, have Peanut Butter Falcon Part 2 mm-hmm. when a girl comes in. Yeah. yeah. I like That's it. That's how I how Rachel wanted him it. to meet a girl. There's <laughs> a lot of female remakes now. I yeah. know. That looks very Hollywood. That's how I do. <laughs> I remember when Rachel was born, the first thing I thought of was Life Goes On. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And, yeah. you know, that was the show. I remembered having a Down Syndrome adult in it. Yeah. And I remember going to the store and, and getting it and turning it on and, and, I loved it. I watched the whole series, and I would love to see something like that again, just a family and yeah. and, and with disabilities yeah. and living together and what it's like and what people go through. It just was, you know, it just was really, really nice. Yeah, every day. It right. helped. That's what helped me a lot because mm-hmm. you have to realize Rachel's 37, so it was a long, long time ago. <laughs> Things have changed a lot, but inclusion, not enough. Yeah, yeah, still room to go. Yes. And our last question here is called The Hidden Gem. So this is a suggestion you might have of a film, a show, a book, any sort of piece of art that highlights a character with disability that you think our listeners should check out. I've seen a show on TV. It's one of my favorite shows, Speechless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a guy, I don't know, Michael Fowler. Mm Mm-hmm. He has cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. and I wish that was on again. Yeah. Shows like that. Yeah, yeah. shows like that, mm-hmm. I want to see. That's a great suggestion. Like a family, it was a family comedy, right? Yeah, yes. I love family comedy. How the family. I love Minnie Driver. Yeah, yeah. she's so it was great. Good. Yeah, it's it a good show. I think there's one more. Mm-hmm. One of my friends, um, have, um, like Stumptown. Stumptown, just oh, like that. Oh, yes. Cole. You know Stumptown? Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Cole, Cybit. 
It's oh, dumb town. Oh, you know him. Yes, yeah, he's in my drama class too. Yes. Kobe Smolder's brother. Yes, he's yeah. in my yes. drama class. He actually was one of the people we considered for Born This Way. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He was too with all young of you. or something. Yeah, he was said. a little too yeah, young at the time. Yeah, he was a little too young at yeah. the time. Yeah. Yes, but nice boy, and he's doing really good. Yeah. I just want to see more of that. Yeah. I just yeah. want to see people just have people on TV in movies. If they have a disability or they mention their disability, whether they're blind, use a person that's blind. Use the person with the disability. That's what I would really like to see. Yeah, it was interesting. Mm -hmm. I was at the Media Access Awards the other night, and it was announced that CBS has pledged to consider uh, actors with disabilities for every series they mount. Yeah, for the Ruderman Family Foundation Yeah, that's sort of an amazing step Mm -hmm. forward. Yeah, and and that's, you know, I think they're the first network to take that pledge, and the hope is that other companies will follow suit. You know, it is possible to find opportunities for people with disability, you know, on your projects. Well, and for me as a producer, I just think it opens Mm -hmm. up additional story. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, it's it's an area of character to explore Mm -hmm. uh, because there are amazing people who have disabilities and what they can achieve and it just uh, to me it just adds another little spice to the thing yeah it's you know it's also a lot of people don't realize how you can get very involved in your community also by doing you know by hiring people with disabilities you know I mean if we didn't have a man like Rachel's boss who is oh, yeah. the most phenomenal man who has oh, yeah. every one in every one of his <laughs> office he has someone with a disability yeah. because he feels he gives to the community by doing that and to me that is so heroic to yeah. me to do that and he was doing it before anybody oh, yeah. even did it and i I talked about it at the last convention, and I actually had a man who came over to me and said to me, what can I do, because I would like to hire someone with a disability. Well, and then what's wonderful is they discover that people with disabilities are really reliable workers. Sometimes they'll take two or three buses to get there, but they're never late. And they also enrich the experience for everybody else at the company. Absolutely. And they say, what kind of job could they do? What would be good? And I said, it's repetitious, they'll do a job other people don't want to do. Same thing every single day. A lot of people, their jobs like that, they love jobs like that. There's so many jobs they can do. They just have to be given the opportunity. Yeah, well, Born This Way has really been able to show America what is possible, the range of fullness of life, as well as the fact that everybody with a disability is a different individual, just like, you know, uh, we all are. So, you know, Rachel, Laurie, John, thank you guys so much for making the show. Thank you so much for coming in today Thanks to talk to us. us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again to this episode's guests, Rachel Osterbach, Laurie Osterbach, and executive producer John Murray of Born This Way, which airs its sixth final digital shorts on December 13th, ahead of its series finale special, A Very Born This Way Christmas, which airs December 18th on A&D. Please stay tuned next week when we talk to John Boyega of a little indie called Star Wars The Last Skywalker and talk about race and space and other sci-fi genres. And be sure to subscribe to Hollywood Remixed on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks so much. We'll see you there.